You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are standing by. And we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And we mentioned we are powered by CRTV. We just wrapped up production for today's CRTV television show. Let's give the audience a preview of what's to come. Aaron. To totally toot my own horn, if I had gained any goodwill from our audience for the Chick-fil-A commercial, uh, the trailer from Moo, uh, I may have either dramatically increased or decreased that within the first three minutes of today's show. I'm going to say this right now. If you've not yet used, if you've not gone to CRTV.com and used promo code DACE to get the free trial going on your subscription to CRTV... I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to challenge you right now. If you use that promo code today and you watch the opening montage, we if you're new to the television show, you haven't seen an episode yet, we always start it off with a montage of the major headlines since we were last on the air. Okay, we call it what happened while we were away. That opening montage Aaron puts together today which I didn't see coming. It blindsided me. I lost my poop. I'm not going to lie. I, I I lost all my composure. Normally, the, our rundown calls for me to, to pick one or two of, of what Aaron points out and have some off-the-cuff, because uh, I do everything pretty much off the top of my head anyway, so have some kind of off-the-cuff, hot-take you know, analysis, mini-monologue. I, I could not. I, I, I couldn't gain my composure. It broke me. I promise you, if today's the day you decide to take advantage of the free trial with my promo code DACE and you watch that opening montage, you will keep your CRTV subscription based on that video alone. It is that profound, that priceless, it is that painful both to watch and to laugh at you have to see this. So if you've been holding out, today's the day. This is the day you have to cross the line. Go to CRTV.com, promo code DACE, in order to, to watch, if nothing else, the opening montage Aaron puts together for the show today. Todd, I think you'll probably second I that. I need to put my own shine on that. Absolutely. We talk about worldview. This is the year of worldview. Uh, after many years of doing worldview on the Steve Day show, but there's we talk about worldview to protect you from bizarro world worldview. And what Aaron does is the alpha and the omega of summing up what the bizarro world worldview is <laughs> that dominates... Hey, 
Newsflash. N- not just the guy over there. Not just the guy. Uh, no, no, not just the weirdo you don't like. Oftentimes, the person in the mirror. Watch out. Yeah, this, you don't want to miss this. Today's the day. Just, you trust us on some level by virtue of the fact you're listening to us right now, right? So, if you're already listening to the podcast, you trust us on some level. Today's the day, and and while you're there at CRTV, you can sample the new show, Rant Nation by Graham Allen. Michelle Malkin's got an episode about Alfie Evans and how that battle is right here at our own doorstep and has been uh, being waged in the United States for several years now. You have the great one, Mark Levin, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty, and so much more right here at CRTV.com. Promo code DACE. Today's the day you need to start sampling what we do with that free trial if for no other reason to watch the opening montage Aaron prepares for the show today. You do not want to miss it. And we love to know what you think about what we think after each one of our podcasts. You can email us, let us know. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Well, today is a Theology Thursday. And last week, I was asked to join the Young Americans for Freedom chapter at Brigham Young University, and I gave them a presentation on our seven deadly worldviews. I wanted to sort of give them some recon. If you want to go out and leave the, co- the comfy confines of university and start becoming a culture warrior, what, what's the battlefield look like? What, what, what's the theater of war you are entering into? What, what, who are the players... Uh, what's the game? What are the rules? How do I win? Right? So after I gave that presentation, and a lot of it is stuff if you already subscribe to CRTV or you listen to our podcast regularly, you've probably heard fragments or bits and pieces of it or maybe the whole thing uh, in the past. So we don't need to rehash that. But then afterwards, I did what I love doing the most, and that is taking live questioning. And we're going to let you listen in on the Q&A session I had with these students at BYU for this Theology Thursday. A lot of people that I disagree with and will talk to, they don't really understand why they believe what they believe. So how can I understand why they believe what they believe without just arbitrarily assigning motive to people? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Because first of all, let me start with the last thing you said first. As long as you can, I have made the worst mistakes in my career when I have arbitrarily assigned motivations to people. Why? Because I'm, in a way, I'm playing God. I'm, 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 I'm assuming I can read their hearts. And of course, I'm probably, if I don't like what they have to say, going to assume the worst motivations possible. <laughs> All right? So as much as you possibly can, resist the temptation to, to ascribe motivations onto people. Uh, you know, so let me let me start with that part, and then work my way back to the the front part of what you just said, because what you said is very accurate. I, I spent almost an entire year in 2012 contributing on MSNBC, and I did it for two reasons. One, I was just starting out outside of Iowa and getting into national media, and frankly, I needed all the exposure I could get from a business standpoint. The other reason was I, I wanted to test my own belief system. I, I wanted to see if it would stand up to their scrutiny. And I have to tell you, I mean, there were days I, I lost an argument or two. I'll admit it. But I was shocked at how little evidence they had for what they believed. In fact, most of the time, they can't answer your question because they've been indoctrinated. They've, been not, they've not been taught critical thinking. And the best way to co- combat that 
I've learned, ask a lot of questions. You see this in the New Testament. Um, you know, Jesus, what's the most important, um, uh, you know, or, or how do I get to heaven? Um, uh, and, you know, he often responds to questions with questions. And sometimes they're snotty ones. Like when they come up to him and say, hey, where do you get this power to forgive sins from? And he's like, well, I'll answer your question if you answer for me. Uh, where did John the Baptist get his power uh, to baptize from? So, you know, ask questions that force them to take a look at their own belief system. Let me give you an example in a contemporary setting. The whole issue of religious freedom. Well, you want to discriminate. Instead of trying to explain what God-given rights are, what a contract is, you're dealing with people, and by and large, that have been through a form of, of conditioning, brainwashing. Ask questions like this. Should a Jewish deli owner be compelled by government to serve non-kosher foods to Gentiles? Should a black caterer uh, be prosecuted if they're not willing to serve cupcakes to the alt-right nationalist banquet? Should a gay t-shirt maker uh, have to make God hates blanks t-shirts for Fred Phelps's antichristical cult there in Topeka, Kansas? Put it Ask questions in a context that takes their, their false premise to its most logical conclusion. That's the best way to break through that kind of conditioning. And a lot of people today don't want you to convince them of something. They want to believe they figured this out on their own. So ask the questions, ask the witness the questions that will lead them to the conclusion you would like them to draw. Awesome. So one question I have for you, Steve, you've been uniquely placed because you've, you've had opportunity to work on campaigns, you, you know a lot of the big names that we hear about in the news, and I feel like the 2016 election has really shown people who they really are or what they're willing to do to get ahead. Mm-hmm. How do we know who to trust as we go into the political battle? Because it seems like half the time who we're fighting are the people wearing our jerseys. Oh, oh. <laughs> Aaron, is that me? Is that question me every day? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. basically fighting people in our own jerseys with yeah. Steve Dace. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I, 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 I feel like Donkey right now. You cut me deep, Shrek. You cut me deep. Um, this is this is this is what I've spent most of my time in my career doing. It's not what I intended to do. I, I, I think if you look at my Twitter bio, it says something like, I originally got into this to slay progressivism, and then I found something I loathe even more, your horse bleep, okay? So I, I, I got into this hoping to win an existential argument with the heresy of this era, uh, the Marcion, the Pelagius, the Arius of this era, which is progressivism. And I, instead, I found most of my time is occupied by saying, that's horse bleep, that's total feces, that's 100% caca right there, and calling ball. I, I'm now an umpire. You know, I, I wanted to be Bonhoeffer, Peter, at Pentecost. Yeah, Turner Burn. That's what I wanted to do. Okay, and, and now I find myself, you know, I'm, I'm behind home plate calling balls and strikes, you know, and everybody hates me and boos me on every call. Okay, and, but, but we're, we, we, are, we are not going to be able to stand for truth unless we confront error. And so I, I think we need a definition of integrity. Okay, and I had to learn this over time. Right belief plus right behavior is integrity. Now, 
that that means consistency. Consistency is not perfection. Nobody's perfect except a, a guy we put on a cross. The rest of us are not perfect. But are we willing to be consistent? You know, it's like the line in Batman Begins where uh, Bruce Wayne's father says, Bruce, why do we fall so we can get back up? When, when someone falls, when they make an error, when they make a mistake, are they willing to own up to it? Are they willing to entertain um, counter beliefs? You know, if you watch us at CRTV, you don't see a uniform opinion on all of the um, all of the day's events. You do see uniform um, allegiance to conservatism. But in terms of what that means every day, for example, in the Trump presidency, not every one of our shows draws all of the same conclusions. Okay, so are you willing to uh, listen to other viewpoints? Are you willing to entertain them? Are you willing to to check them? Are you letting willing to let them check you? Are you willing to be transparent? Those are the things you're looking for to see. Don't judge whether somebody's an honest broker or not. This is where your your heart's going to get broken. I used to do this. Okay, don't judge whether somebody's an honest broker or not based on how often you agree with them right about now. Judge how someone's an honest broker based on the consistency of who they are over time. Because there was a time in my life, I thought when Ann Coulter spoke, it's from her lips to God's ears. And now, frankly, to be brutally honest, man, I, you know, it's like a screaming banshee. I, I can't even with her. Okay. And, and so look for why, because she's on like her fifth different persona, right? I mean, Mitt Romney, Chris Christie, and Donald Trump. She's shield for all three of these guys. You can agree or disagree with why she did or if, which one of these you like and which one of these you don't. But how can one person of sound mind and body who's not schizophrenic look at these three guys who are totally singularly different individuals and in the span of five years come to the conclusion that they're essentially her culture savior? That doesn't make any sense. All right. They're, they're not the same person. They're not even close to the same person. And so, um, you know, I don't know what her motivations are. I don't know if she likes to jump on bandwagons, if she's a craven opportunist. That's sort of my suspicion. But I do know someone that is that wild-haired, someone that is, as James would say, double-minded and unstable in all their ways, I can't trust that person. And it may not necessarily even be that they're they're dishonest. They're, they're, they, they just aren't of sound worldview. They're, they're, they're not, their house is built on sand. Okay, and so that's what you're looking for. You're looking for consistency. You're never going to find perfection. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to disagree with you. And when I do, I'm still going to be pretty sure I'm right and you're wrong, right? That's just kind of, that's human nature. What you're looking for, though, is consistency. And a good way to find out, you know, am I, am I becoming the very sort of sellout I, I, always, I always spoke out against? Here's the bottom line. If you're willing to ask yourself that question sincerely, the answer is probably no. You know who never asked themselves, boy, have I really sold out? Sellouts. They never asked themselves that question. They just cashed the check. <laughs> sure. Um, so in your presentation, you uh, you highlighted the connection, a very strong connection, as, as I believe I saw it, um, between conservatism and Christianity. Uh, do you feel that it would... Uh, be better to convert someone to conservatism and then let them naturally become Christians or try to convert someone to Christianity and then allow them uh, to become conservatives? That is an excellent question. And the answer is yes. 
Um, I mean, the number one cons- the number one concern is the is the human soul. We are all going to be dead much longer than we were alive, and the and the mob is fickle, and the world moves on. I mean, for eight years of our lives, I'm guessing you guys in the room are between 18 and 23 years old, right? Somewhere in there. Is that pretty close? Which means most of your life, Barack Obama seemed omnipresent. Now it's like, who? what's his name? Where'd he go? We move on quickly. A hundred years ago, people were losing their minds over prohibition. Those people are all dead now. They've all, they've all faced their, their creator already in the eye. They're either in heaven or hell as we speak forever. And so I think we, you know, it's the old C.S. Lewis line, you've never met a mere mortal. The number one thing we always have to remember is that our number one concern is the human soul. But we also have to remember this. God makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever will believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, why did God do this? Because he so loved the world. Well, what's that love look like? Well, it it looks like this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him, the world may be saved. Even people that will never repent of their sins will never accept the forgiveness, the atonement of Christ at the cross. God has still provided them air to breathe, food to eat, people to love, relationships to have, accomplishments to experience. He has still offered them the chance at a full life. Um, and so I think, we need to, I think we need to walk and chew gum at the same time. When someone comes to you and they are spiritually inquisitive, answer that answer. Um, that inquisition. When someone comes to you and they are philosophically or ideologically inquisitive, answer that one. And then, at su- and then if they start that way, eventually they're going to ask, why do you have this philosophy? Where does it come from? And then you get to double back and have that spiritual conversation as well. And so your question is a good one, but it, and I, I'm, I'm, let me say this gently because we've all done this. It's a mistake we often make that these things are distinct. They are not in conflict. They're complementary to each other. Let me put it in this context. Guys, there's a woman you want to meet. She might be the one. And you ask yourself, should I pursue her as a love interest or should I try and, and, and establish a friendship with her? Yes. <laughs> so one of the biggest problems that we have um, with people we disagree here at BYU and in our the state of Utah in general is that a lot of our political ideologies are stemming from the same belief system, the same scripture, our belief of Jesus and God. So how is it to best combat that without um, like attacking people's faith, I guess? I missed that last part. Could you say that again? Yeah, so what is the best way to uh, kind of have these arguments that you were talking about in these debates with people on the left who are uh, part of our religion who are just misinterpreting you know, um, what God is saying without attacking their testimonies and their faith? Very good question again. These are all very good questions tonight. And trust me, if these were bad questions, I would tell you. Um, <laughs> these are all good. Um, Yesterday, I had a, a book writing day uh, after the show, and 
the way my mind works, I have to multitask. Otherwise, I can't concentrate. It's weird. All right. So while I'm writing, I've got my Amazon Music app going, and I've got it on shuffle from my master list of songs. And what I will do is, as I'm writing my book, I will go on Twitter and update my song list. And it'll be a very eclectic list. I mean, you might, you know, there might be 90s grunge, followed by a contemporary Christian uh, song from Casting Crowns, followed by George Strait, and then, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, right? Now, why do I do this? Um, there's a, there's a, a method to the madness. I do this because I want people to see that I'm, I'm a guy named Steve. I'm just a guy. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm not any different than you. I like chicks. I like sports. I like music. I like movies. You know, I like books. I like video games. All those things, I'm not any different than you. There's only one thing. Now, it's a big thing. Don't get me wrong. It is a big thing. But it's the only thing that makes me different from you. And on all these other levels, on all these other planes, I can relate to you. Now, you know, I, I try my best, not always perfectly, but I may, you, you know, I, all the gangster rap crap I used to listen to before I got converted and stuff, all that stuff is gone. If an objectionable song comes up, one that I shouldn't absolutely share publicly because I'm, you know, it may, you know, give people the wrong impression, you know, I do this, you know, you know, Paul says to not cause the lesser brother to stumble. So, you know, Amy and I will consider, you know, since we're so well known in the, uh, in the community now here in Des Moines, you know, if the movie rated R what kind of rated R is it is it is it is it rated R like that last Mel Gibson movie about um, you know the pacifist in World War II is it rated R like Schindler's List or is it rated R like Fifty Shades of Grey I mean we we will game plan these things most of the time if we if we think about it ahead of time because we know when we walk in someone's going to recognize us and and there and there's a certain expectation level that goes along with that okay Um, but Outside of crossing that line where you publicly rebuke your own integrity or undermine it, look for ways to relate to people. And people aren't converts, prospective converts, projects. They're people. Jesus died for people. Jesus did not say by their perfectly systemic, um, systematic theology you will know them, but by their fruit you will know them. And, and I think that, you know, those verses from John 3.16 and 3.17 I quoted earlier come at a time that the Bible says that Christ did this for us while we were his enemies, while we were sinners, okay? We were, we were in opposition to him. And so I, I think we have to give ourselves permission to like people. Give ourselves permission to love our neighbor. We had a lesbian couple move next door to us a few months ago. And my, uh, my youngest daughter saw their dog in the yard and they were playing with their dog and our dog wanted to go outside, which is really her dog, frankly, uh, even though we all love her, but it's, the dog loves her the most. Um, and she comes up to me and she's like, she's 12 and she's like, and we had a conversation about this couple moving in and she comes up to me and she says, um, can I take the dog outside to play? I'm like, is it raining? No. I said, then, okay, why not? She goes, yeah, well, the neighbors are out there with their dog. I'm like, does it look like a friendly dog? 
She said, yeah. I said, do they look like friendly neighbors? She said, look like it. I said, well then, take the dog out there and go outside and say hello. Were there people? I, I think we have forgotten that. And I, I think, I, I, right now there's a big, there's a big temptation in, in conservatism. I, I've spent most of my career trying to get our side to fight as hard as the left does. But now what's happening is we don't want to fight as hard as the left does. We want to fight like the left does. And I can promise you we're not going to out-hate them. We're not going to out-disdain them. We're, 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 not going to, we're not going to out-douchebag them. I can promise you that. We're not going to do it. We won't be able to do it. The antidote is to diffuse tension when it's about personalities and instead, save the rancor for when the existential principle is at stake. And I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question with one more example. Uh, Thanksgiving after the 2016 election, uh, the NewsHour on PBS wanted to do a, a roundtable, a video roundtable, asking people of very, various political persuasions how to handle Thanksgiving um, with, you know, after such a divisive election. And I, as the conservative, they had me last. And, uh, you know, what, how to speak about it, how to talk about it. My answer was, uh, you don't. It's Thanksgiving, dude. It's not about you. I mean, let, me get these, let me get this straight. You hate these politicians so much they ruined your whole last year. You're going to let them ruin your Thanksgiving too? What, what's, what's smart about that? We, we, we had an election. Move on with your life. There'll be another one. It's Thanksgiving. Go eat some turkey. Watch my Lions play bad football again, okay? <laughs> Pass out. Enjoy one another's company. Pretend to like each other. You know what I mean? Be a family. Be, you know, enjoy the fruits of Americana. The culture war, it will be there tomorrow. To everything, there is a time and a season, you know? And, and, and I think um, we need to fight as hard as they do. But I don't think we will win by fighting like they will. I, I think that's the equivalent of dropping a nuclear bomb on your neighbor's house. Yeah, you took out their house, but when the wind blows, the fallout comes to your yard next. I have a question. Our um, state convention is on Saturday, and so my husband, Jacob, is a delegate. Um, and so we've been talking about how to help Mitt Romney not win. <laughs> and so... I, I'm compelled by your lesser of two evils argument. I think it's interesting. So to not just talk about the election and bringing up this other example, because I think it's hard. So I'm asking to help ask you help me understand how you can avoid the lesser of two evil arguments without feeding the other side's agenda. Because I think isn't a possibility that if you vote for a third party and you decide to take your your moral position, but then the left continues to win because the high majority of people do that, then how is that not immoral because you're helping them win? All right, so I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're, the, the gist of the question is, if I do, am I doing something immoral if I vote third party, which dilutes my side's voter sample all the more and helps the perceived or even maybe acknowledge greater evil win? Is that the question? Because I heard about every third word of that. Is, is that basically the question? Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, I wish I could hear you better because I think I could answer this question best in a conversation back and forth. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll 
handle it as best I can. I, I actually think it's simpler than we think it is. If this was the last moral decision you made in your life before you died, would you be ashamed of it when you had to justify it to your maker? If the answer is no, then go forth. Um, And if the answer is yes, cease and desist. And I and I would I would add one more thing. I would not listen to everybody else's take on this. Nobody else is going to have to justify that moral decision to their maker. You are. This is a this is a what you're really asking me is a moral calculation, not a certainty. And that's when we get into gray areas of conscience and everything else. And you know, let me give you an example. I, I can make this because I can make the moral calculation work both ways. I can say, I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for Darrell Castle, the Constitution Party candidate. All right? So, um, someone could say, well, I voted for Trump despite my objections. And um, he moved Israel's capital. He really did, he's really done things to defend religious freedom. That's all true. He reinstituted the Mexico City policy. That's also true. Um, He's appointed some very good judges. That's also true. All of that is true. And that's a good moral calculation for why you chose to make the decision you did in what's an obvious moral gray area, given the character of the person we're talking about. Another person may do that math, and they may say, you know, let me tell you, I I can see why I didn't vote for Trump. He gave $500 million to Planned Parenthood. Now we've got, you know, porn stars hounding him in courtrooms and all over television and social media that he paid off. We're, and we've got Playboy models coming out now every day that ends in why. Um, yeah, we could do this the other way as well. And this is when we get into areas of moral calculation as opposed to a moral certainty. When it's a moral certainty, there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel because it's certain. You'll come to a place of certainty. When we get to moral calculation, we can start sounding like Job's friends. We think we sound really smart. You know, we got it all figured out. And then God shows up and says, hey, man, you guys don't know your head from a hole in the ground. You know what you're talking about. You know, so when we get into areas of moral calculations, and what's, what's, th- what's funny is we actually need to get, ar- we need to argue and debate with each other on moral certainties. We often don't argue and debate those. We often argue and debate moral calculations because they're more subjective, and I want you to validate my calculation, and I want you to come to the same conclusion in your, in your math that I came to as mine, because if you don't, then I kind of feel like you're self-righteously telling me I came to the wrong calculation, and you think you're better than me, but if you did come to the right calcula- or the same calculation as me, then I kind of feel like, oh, I must be doing okay because you, you think the same way, right? I mean, we got to get beyond all of that, and ultimately... If if you want to if you want to do the math and say I didn't I voted third party, uh, and and it's because of all of Trump's problems, you could do the math and come up with enough enough variables uh, in your equation to justify your final answer. And if you say I I voted for Trump despite all the moral issues, and I have these things over here as evidences as to why, you could do the exact same thing. Don't 
Don't break fellowship with one another over moral calculations. Do it when there's a violation of moral certainty. Have a lot of grace for each other when it comes to moral calculations. Err on the side of grace. So, so Steve, just to make sure I understand kind of what you mean, it's, I want to know why you voted the way you did, not necessarily exactly. how you voted. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I said this on our show during the election, if you're not voting for Trump so that you can self-righteously just sit around and wait for him to blow it, because he will, all right? Well, beyond his own character, he's also a human being. They're all going to blow it. We're, I'm going to blow it. You're going to blow it. So you're just, and you, and you just can't wait to jump on Facebook to remind your friends who think that, uh, who you are convinced because they don't hate Trump as much as you, that they just don't love the Lord the way you do. And you love to jump on Facebook and remind them of that. Uh, no, no bonus points for you. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to jail. You lose the game. All right. Uh, and, and if you voted for Trump because you think he's Cheeto Jesus, you actually affirmatively compare him to Nebuchadnezzar, who's a vile, bloodthirsty tyrant of antiquity. Uh, and you keep bastardizing your David comparison. You belong in jail with the exact uh, the person I just described. And, and this is where we, we this is how you go. This is where we have Sean Hannity and Anna Navarro. They're the same person. You ever seen Sean Hannity and Anna Navarro on TV at the same time? I don't think so. They're like alter egos. They're not in opposition to each other. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. Anna Navarro was a low-level Republican aide for John Huntsman no one ever heard of. And now she's a superstar. Why? Because if she gets up in the morning and it's 65 degrees on, on Valentine's Day in the dead of winter, she's willing to tweet, this is what happens when Trump doesn't do anything about climate change. That's the world in which she lives. Everything is Trump's fault. And, and Hannity has, has, his career has exploded um, after his Fox show was struggling in the ratings a few years ago. And now it's one of their highest rated shows. Why? Because he'll credit Trump with parting of the Red Sea. All right. And, and that's, that's what you don't want to, you don't want to get into one of those camps. Hold on to your soul. So I think that this fight for life and liberty and Christianity and and for all of these things is truly one of the most important things that we will ever fight for in our lives, if not the most. It's something that I want to do professionally and in my private life for the rest of my life. But it is exhausting and discouraging. And at least once every other week, I just want to take a break from Twitter entirely and just not do it anymore. Hmm. How do you stay motivated in this fight? Because I can see how important it is and somehow it's just... It's too tiring for me sometimes. Um, this is a good question to end it on. Um, I have had to, in this last year, I'm, I'm a political junkie. Uh, as one of the other people asked me a question noted, I've worked on campaigns. I know data. I know analytics. I know the professional side of politics, and I love it, man. And and the same thing. It's, it, and I'm just built that way. It's why I've done my own NFL mock draft, pretending to be Mel Kuyper since I was 14 years old. And I've done my own college football preview where I predict everybody's records since I was a sophomore in high school. I, I just it, It's why I go watch all the fanboy theory videos on Star Wars with my son on YouTube. I just love that stuff. I, I love, I love learning things. I like it. 
and figuring out and projecting what may happen next. I was the kid that used to read the Choose Your Own Adventure books, and then I would skip ahead to the end to know which what was the right way to choose. I hate to lose. Okay, <laughs> so that's the other reason I love politics. Is competitions like my biggest addiction? I love I love it. In the last year, because of how increasingly toxic everything has gotten, um, I've had to. I've had to divorce myself from a lot of it because I, I, I couldn't engage it in a way that I wasn't becoming what I always set out not to be. And, um, and, and that's, you know, we got together as a staff at the end of last year and had this conversation very bluntly. And we decided that this year our focus was going to be on worldview. We were going to try and take a step back and, and see the broader battle that's at stake here. And that's why we started the year off with the series that I kind of gave you the uh, Cliff's Notes version of uh, right here at, at the outset. And that has helped me to not get submerged in this. You know, even Jesus took breaks. Um, God took a day of, even, you know, in the Old Testament, um, God the Father takes a day of rest. And and I, that's again where give yourself permission to be a college kid, give yourself permission to be a millennial, you know, hiking, basketball, uh, you know, binge watching your favorite, you know, non X rated show on Netflix. You know, I mean, be human. Um, Give yourself permission to put margin in your life. Make this a cause, not a cult. Um, Make it a pursuit and a passion but not a state of being. And, you know, especially after you get married, you'll know when you've crossed the line. I mean, I heard this from my wife and kids a lot last year. You know, um, as we as we got into the summer and the fall and the initial euphoria over, even though I didn't vote for Trump, by golly, it's great that Hillary lost. <laughs> All right. Then once we got over the initial euphoria and Gorsuch got, uh, you know, the nomination and all that stuff. And then we were all reminded, crap, it's still the Republicans. All right. And, the, and we got into March and April and all the fake Obamacare repeals. And then, you know, Trump decides to call Lester Holt over in May to go Colonel Jessup and a few good men and say, yeah, I ordered the code red on Comey. What you going to do about it? Mueller is appointed 72 hours later. And now we've been just in this sinkhole for the last year ever since. And as we got into the summer and the fall, my wife and kids were telling me more and more, dude, man, you are on tilt. What is up? And... That kind of prompted me to have this conversation with my staff at the end of last year that we can't lose ourselves to this. And so the advantage you have is you're just starting out. And so you don't have any really bad habits to break yet. Okay. And that's why you can put those disciplines in now and just simply say, unless it's the last couple weeks of an election or it's a life and death situation or someone's getting impeached. I'm not answering my phone after seven o'clock. World will be there in the morning or six o'clock or eight o'clock or not. Pick a time, you know, actively put those boundaries and barriers in your life. Make sure you set aside time to just be a mom, just be a dad. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, Moses commanded soldiers, you know, where you get the idea of a honeymoon from the, that you're that the idea that you are a newlywed for two years. Because in the Old Testament, Moses commanded that new husbands were given two years 
to stay home and please their wives. You can guess what that might be a euphemism for. All right. To stay home and please their wives before they were sent off to war. All right. Please your wife. Please your husband. Please each other a lot. Make a lot of babies. You know, love on them. Take them to Disney World. You know, go to, go to go to college football games. You guys have one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country right there on your own campus. You know, enjoy life and leave time in your life so that you don't get consumed by this. Remember, even good ones like Mike Lee, they never love you as much as you love them. Don't become fanboys or fangirls. And I say this about people. I'm, Ted Cruz is a very good friend of mine. Okay. But, you know, when he's not a guy named Ted, I know him as a guy named Ted. And then I know him as a politician. The politician Ted Cruz is, 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 is never going to, is, is never, is not worthy of being a matinee idol. He's not on, he's not a crush from Tiger Beat. Okay. So, you know, put those disciplines and perspectives in your, in life now as you're starting out. And that will help you to not get consumed by this later on. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking time out of your family time to come and talk to us. We really appreciate you you doing this. This has been fantastic. You're welcome, guys. It's been a pleasure to be with you. God bless you. Okay, take care. Thank you, you so much. All right, bye-bye. Again, I want to thank the Young Americans for Freedom chapter at BYU for inviting me to join them. If, if you have uh, one of those at, at your school and you're interested in bringing us out there or having us join you via Skype, let us know. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address or anything else if you are interested in preserving, conserving liberty for this and future generations here in the United States. We'd love to have a chance to talk to you. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.